0: Alexandra Quick and the World Away By Inverarity Read by Sam Gabriel Chapter 50 Closer Than Sisters Through the window of her room in Marlone Tower, lights across the river illuminated Brooklyn as Alexandra prepared for the junior wizarding decathlon ball. Walking into Governor General Huckstein's home felt like a trap. She had vague ideas about gathering information, possibly asking around about Storm King Mountain, but that seemed likely only to alert Huckstein to her intentions. She'd have preferred to skip the ball altogether, but for some reason Anna and Angelique were both eager to go and had insisted that Alexandra could not skip the decathlon ball because she was a decathlon champion. So she found herself sitting in front of her magic mirror, trying to make herself pretty. Alexandra rarely spent time worrying about her appearance, but she had brought one set of formal robes. If Mr. Mudd was there with his eye spy, she was sure he'd capture her in the most unflattering way possible, so she reluctantly applied the basic makeup charms Julia had taught her and brushed her hair carefully before the magic mirror. Her hair had grown longer than she was used to. In fact, she thought it was about time for a haircut. Still, in the flattering reflection of the mirror, her black hair was long and silky, and in the center of her pale face, her green eyes sparkled like emeralds. It was flattering to see what a prettier version of herself might look like in a different world, but Alexandra was struck with a sudden inspiration. She pursed her lips, then cast a sticking charm to set the mirror on the wall over the desk. "'Liar, liar, on the wall, I don't look like that at all. You always show a lovely guise, flattering me with pretty lies. Instead of showing fantasies, show me what my enemy sees.' Her reflection raised darkened, carefully trimmed eyebrows, gave her a small smile, then winked. Instead of transforming into a less flattering version of herself, the view in the mirror changed to show Archibald Mudd, regarding her with a skeptical expression. He was holding his eye spy in one hand. As Alexandra stared at the unexpected vision, Mr. Mudd opened his mouth to say something, then frowned. The eye spy suddenly irised open, and seemed also to be staring directly at Alexandra through the mirror. Alexandra waved a hand and banished the image. She leaned back, biting her lip as she tried to make sense of what her spontaneous scrying had shown her. Her reflection once again flattered her by making her look adorable as her teeth gleamed against full, luscious lips. Thoughtfully, Alexandra resumed preparing herself, knowing her appearance would never come close to what she saw in the mirror. "'Pretty bird!' said Charlie. Alexandra had opened the cage, so Charlie was sitting at her elbow, watching Alexandra's preparations with interest— Especially when she put on a small pair of sparkling earrings and then fastened a gold chain around her neck. More gifts from Julia. You're a liar, too, Charlie, Alexandra said. She leaned over and kissed the bird's beak. But thank you, Birdbrain. Liar, liar, Charlie said. She wished she could wear her Junior Regimental Officer Corps uniform, which she preferred to these dress like robes. But she was no longer in the JROC, and thinking about her uniform made her nostalgic and sad reminding her of Max. With a sigh, she stood and examined herself one more time in the mirror. Her reflection twirled and hid her face coyly, tucked against her shoulder in a way the real Alexandra could never emulate without looking like she was trying to sniff her own armpit. Her mirror suddenly fogged over, rippled, and then an entirely different image appeared there, Granny Pritchard. The old woman's arms were folded across her narrow chest. "'Are you enjoying yourself, missy?' she asked. "'How did you do that?' Alexandra asked. Why do you even need owls if you could you You're just... the one with the magic mirror, Granny Pritchard said. I see you're right gussied up for a fancy ball, I suppose? Yes, Alexandra said. It's the junior wizarding decathlon ball I'm supposed to attend. As the Ozarker champion dressed like a fern, Granny Pritchard shook her head. You are representing our folk, Miss Quick. You ought to dress the part for a formal ball, at least— Alexandra wondered if Granny Pritchard had actually been watching the Decathlon on a Wizard Wireless set. She frowned. "'You want me to wear an Ozarker dress and bonnet? Are you serious?' Granny Pritchard gave her a very serious look back through the mirror. "'What if I refuse?' Alexandra asked. The granny shrugged. "'Please yourself. I just thought you might show the least submission of respect for them who allowed you to attend that to-do in New Amsterdam, but Troublesome does as she pleases. "'Nice.' Would you like me to talk like an Ozarker while I'm at it? Are there any special Ozarker dances I could perform for you all? Granny Pritchard's eyes narrowed. You're not mocking me, she said. You're mocking all my kin, including my great-granddaughters. Is this really that important to you or them? There's times when forms ought to be observed. Did you think being the Ozarker champion was just a bit of flim-flam to get you into the decathlon? Yes, actually, Alexandra thought. She sighed. I don't suppose you have any advice or aid to offer while you're reaching out to me like this, because I still haven't figured out how to do what I'm actually here to do. Granny Pritchard pursed her lips. I reckon there's one person you ain't reached out to for help, ain't there? Alexandra stared at the old woman. Are you a member of the Thorn Circle, Granny Pritchard? she asked. Granny Pritchard's eyes widened. Heavens and powers, child, where'd you get a notion like that? I've never even met your father. His war with the Confederation ain't no business of earn. Alexandra wasn't so sure about that, but she knew she'd get no more answers out of Granny Pritchard. Fine, she said. I'll take your suggestion under consideration. You do that, you stubborn, ordinary child, Granny Pritchard said, and she disappeared. Alexandra closed her eyes. With a deep sigh, she reached into her backpack and found the bonnet she'd stuffed into the bottom of it after leaving the Ozarks. She did not still have her questing dress, fortunately. That she had left with the Pritchards, but the dress they'd given her when she first arrived was still there. It wasn't a fancy dress, and after spending half an hour trying to tailor it with some of the charms Granny Monkey had taught her, it didn't look much fancier. Alexandra supposed the Ozarkers would appreciate that if any of them actually saw pictures of her. "'I guess Troublesome's going to the ball,' she said to Charlie, tying her bonnet on with resignation." "'Troublesome,' said Charlie. She had agreed to meet Anna and Angelique outside the Governor-General's mansion, but she only knew its location from her map of New Amsterdam, so she walked through Manhattan in her Ozarker dress and bonnet. Her unnoticeability charm mostly deflected attention away from her as she hiked through the slowly emptying financial district. The Governor-General's mansion was hidden amidst skyscrapers at the end of a pedestrian's only street, When Alexandra emerged from between two buildings that blotted out the setting sun, she saw a palatial estate sitting hidden and out of place, surrounded by the glass and steel towers that had grown up around it. The front of the mansion was lined with immense Roman-style columns atop circular marble steps, and as Alexandra approached along a cobblestone driveway broad enough for horse-drawn carriages, magnificent blazes nonsense about ancient wizard kings came to mind. There were two horse-drawn carriages in front of the mansion. As far as Alexandra could tell, they were mundane horses, though there were charms on the carriages which she was curious about, but could not investigate further as half a dozen red-vested aurors stood nearby. Other witches and wizards were arriving also, some by apparition and some on foot, and a couple on brooms, but Alexandra felt the auror's eyes focused on her. Anna and Angelique stood together by a fountain at the center of a small gravel path that split away from the driveway. Angelique waved and Alexandra stepped onto the gravel path and walked over to them. Anna wore a yellow robe with white trim, quite unlike her usual hooded cloak and darker colors. As Alexandra got closer, she saw the white was actually fine silver thread woven along Anna's sleeves and collar. She'd left her hair long and loose around her shoulders. Like Alexandra, she'd let her hair grow out. Alexandra was also surprised to see Anna's skin was paler than usual while her lips were redder. She had applied makeup. You look nice, Alexandra said with a smile. Do I? Anna asked. She didn't seem sure what to make of alexandra's ozarker dress she does angelique agreed she snapped open a fan and fluttered it in alexandra's direction goodness alexandra did you borrow that outfit from constance or forbearance if you needed formal ball robes you should have just asked me like yours would fit me alexandra said angelique was glorious in black and gold golden chains were woven through her hair which was piled high on her head and she wore golden earrings that contrasted with her dark lipstick and eyeshadow. Her robes were actually more oriental than Anna's, featuring golden dragons and fans that moved when Angelique moved, even when she didn't. They weren't fitted like Anna's, though. Angelique's robes opened at the front to expose a generous amount of cleavage. She waved her fan at the mansion. I haven't been to a ball since I left New Orleans, so please promise me you aren't planning on your outrageous stunts or anything else that's going to spoil the evening. I can promise I'm not planning anything, Alexandra said. In fact, she really didn't have a plan, not for tonight, not for the next day's event, not for getting to Storm King Mountain, and not for facing the most powerful man in the Confederation who wanted her dead. They had been walking toward the marble steps. The three of them joined the other late arrivals who were trickling inside. They appeared to be almost the only teens who hadn't entered yet. The other guests walking up the steps with them were witches and wizards in dark formal robes, old-fashioned evening coats and dresses, or old colonial-style doublets. The front double doors were two stories tall, and Alexandra gaped with everyone else when she saw the doormen. Trolls, she half expected, but the immense guardians who stood and watched all who approached were much larger than trolls. They were giants. They wore red and orange uniforms over immense male suits with curved steel helmets that could fit a man inside and each one held a polearm half the height of Walloon Tower. Everyone was very quiet as they filed between the two giants. Alexander only dared to glance up at them once. Their eyes were fixed on the driveway. Inside, the Governor-General dominated the vast entrance hall with his presence, greeting each person who arrived. He wore a red velvet jacket over a white doublet and bright orange breeches, a tall buckled hat, and a large gaudy sash decorated with medallions and ribbons across his chest— the tails of his jacket draped almost to the floor. He was surrounded by a retinue of officials. Behind him were several goblins in embroidered uniforms. Alexander wasn't sure if they were servants or guests. At his side was Richard Respire, still in his red and black cloak. The bald wizard's only nod to formality was a gold badge on a red sash hung from his shoulder to his hip, and a pair of highly polished boots. Alexandra took a deep breath, figured there was nothing she could do to avoid it if she wasn't just going to run away, and walked forward with everyone else in line. The Governor General's expression didn't falter as Alexandra reached him. "'Miss Quick,' he said, with the same genial, booming voice he'd used with the woman ahead of her. "'How very brave of you to come, and such a bold-fashioned statement. And Miss Chu, you as well. Your father is making quite a name for himself out in California. You must be proud.' For a moment, Alexandra thought Anna would quail beneath Huckstein's attention. Then Anna drew herself up and said in a small but firm voice, "'Yes, sir, I am.' "'It's very generous of you to invite everyone,' Alexandra said. "'You have very impressive doormen.' "'Don't I, though? You'd be even more impressed if I showed you half of my staff.' Most of them, alas, go unseen, doing work that never ends, even during a night of dancing and frivolity. Much like myself, I never stop working, you know. I am always pursuing my goals, because I will never, ever be satisfied until I have accomplished everything I have sworn to do. His face was warm and smiling, but his eyes were burning coals of hate. Beside him, Richard Respire smiled soullessly, his own eyes dark and unreadable. Alexandra tried to think of a witty rejoinder, but she didn't want to stand here and banter with Huckstein. She wouldn't learn anything from him, and she didn't want to risk drawing his ire to her friends. "'Good luck then, Governor General,' she said. She didn't curtsy or bow like most of the others had. She just walked away from him. Anna followed. Angelique smiled nervously and curtsied as the Governor General shook her hand. Her smile faltered slightly when Huckstein had to ask for her name. Alexandra let out a breath slowly when Anna and Angelique both joined her at the door on the other side of the hallway. Anna had become just a little paler— but when Alexandra gave her a thumbs-up, she showed her teeth in a small grin. Together, they all walked up a grand staircase to the ballroom. The mansion's ballroom was enormous. There had to be nearly 500 people inside, over half of them students, but also scores of adults, including New Amsterdam faculty, the decathlon judges, and many other witches and wizards Alexandra assumed were friends of Huckstein's, or bureaucrats and old colonials trying to curry favor with him. There was a live wizard band— Alexandra paused when she saw they weren't all wizards. An elf was on the drums, and another was playing a recorder. "'Will all the champions please come forward?' announced Professor Hoster, who wore voluminous robes of deep yellow, decorated with mysterious symbols Alexandra didn't recognize. Unusually for formal robes, his also had a hood, though it hung loosely around his shoulders. Reluctantly, Alexandra walked forward to join the other sixteen—well, fifteen now—champions. Vanessa Lightwood wore a dressed JROC uniform, denoting her rank as a witch sergeant first class. Rebecca Good's outfit was the same Salem traditionalist black dress and pointy hat she always wore, though of a finer quality. She also had her familiar with her, which Alexandra thought was strange for a ball, but the cat seemed unbothered by all the commotion and sat quietly in Rebecca's arms. It hissed and bared its fangs when Alexandra came near, however. Magnificent Blaze wore a kimono and a bandana. He could have been a Majokai wizard if not for his blonde hair and blue eyes. Seime Kamo, whose kimono was actually less flashy and elegant than Magnificent's, seemed not quite sure what to make of the radicalist's outfit. He kept looking at Magnificent with an expression that was a mixture of amusement and contempt. Halepinuk wore plain blue and white formal robes that were neither fancy nor pretty. She'd abandoned the furs and other adornments she usually wore. Her hair was still woven into long, tight braids. Other than that, her large forehead and facial scarring were the only things that stood out about her. The Hudson Territory Champion, a palatine, and the Traveler Champion had dressed formally in their culture's traditional garb, and everyone else was in fancy robes, including Larry Albo, who had added a richly brocaded cloak to his ensemble. His black curly hair had an oily sheen, and Alexandra had to admit he presented a respectable figure as he turned to the CNN eye spy, which was flying around staring at each champion in turn. He faced it, gripping the front of his cloak with his silver fingers in what Alexandra thought was a rather pretentious pose. When it passed by her, Alexandra just stared at it blankly. She knew she should at least try to smile, but figured any expression she produced that made her look at all attractive wouldn't be captured anyway. All the other champions looked away from her, or else glowered at her, except Magnificent, who gave her a friendly grin, and Larry, who smirked with amusement, then rolled his eyes as if he couldn't believe what she was wearing. She glared at him, listened as Professor Hoster droned on about the history of the Confederation Decathlon and New Amsterdam Academy, and was grateful when they were finally allowed to disperse to the dance floor to enjoy the night or not. Alexandra immediately withdrew to the edge of the ballroom and watched everyone else dance. She was not surprised to see Magnificent make a beeline for Angelique. She caught a brief glimpse of Adela Eterbidae looking beautiful in a carefully prepared way that had to have taken much longer than Alexandra had spent on her own appearance— "'Adella was pointedly nowhere near Larry. "'Anna approached her, carrying a glass of punch in each hand. "'You're supposed to dance, you know.' "'From the tables where Anna had gotten the punch, "'Alexandra saw the adults pouring beverages from tankards "'and multicolored glass flasks. "'These were served by clockworks, but guarded from miners "'by an elderly-looking troll who looked like he was about to fall asleep. "'As Alexandra watched, the troll snuck a sip from a wineskin at his belt, "'then refilled it from one of the flasks. "'Alexandra took a glass from Anna.' I'm the enemy's daughter, and everything that's happened so far just reminds everyone of that. You really think anyone is going to ask me to dance? Anna said, I would. Alexandra paused, just as she was about to take a sip of her drink. Anna held out her hand. Will you dance with me, Alex? Slowly, Alexandra set down her drink and took Anna's hand. She walked with Anna out onto the floor. The band wasn't playing wizard rock. It was something slow-tempoed like jazz. Anna put her arms around Alexandra and rested her head on Alexandra's shoulder while they danced. Alexandra looked around, avoiding assessing her own feelings by gauging the reactions of those around her. No one seemed scandalized by two girls dancing, though she had not seen any other same-sex couples, and to her understanding, most of the wizarding world, colonial society at least, was not particularly tolerant. At least she assumed that was why Max and Martin had never been open about their relationship— and why her ex-boyfriend's Torvald had reacted poorly to finding out his best friend was a bent wand. And what about you? Because you knew how Anna felt, didn't you? You've known for a long time, haven't you? Other dancers whirled by in slow motion. Rebecca Good danced with an older man, ignoring her. Her black cat slunk between their legs, somehow neither tripping them nor getting stepped on, and hissed at Alexandra. Hella Panook and the reformed Druid champion looked equally uncomfortable as they danced stiffly together. Hella glanced at Alexandra and Anna with an unchanging and unreadable expression. Magnificent gave Alexandra a wink and a thumbs up over Angelique's shoulder. Harriet passed by, in the arms of an older boy. Alexandra almost let go of Anna. She was so startled. Harriet still here? She hadn't been arrested or suspended or anything? Alexandra's mouth started to drop open, but now Harriet was staring back at her, and the corners of her mouth turned up at Alexandra's evident dismay. Alexandra let her face go blank and just returned Harriet's gaze stonily. She felt like she should say something to Anna, but she didn't know what. The two of them swayed slowly to the music for a while. Then Anna said, I love you, Alex. Alexandra's lips were very dry. She wished she still had her drink. I love you too, Anna. But she knew Anna was about to say something that couldn't be taken back or brushed aside and felt like they were about to dance off a precipice. Anna looked up. I mean, I really love you, she said softly. I—Alexandra started to say, I know, but then Anna kissed her, pushing her lips on Alexandra's. Anna closed her eyes, and Alexandra did too but in confusion and consternation, not with the same dreamy look Anna had. Alexandra pulled away. Anna. Anna opened her eyes. The two of them faced each other, alone in a little bubble as other witches and wizards danced around them. Anna, Alexandra repeated, and she could see Anna's face already reflecting the hurt of what she was going to say. I do love you, my... love you as much as I love my sisters. We're closer than sisters. You're my best friend. You're the very best of friends. And I know I'm not always a great friend, and you really deserve, deserve someone who loves you back just as much, the same way you want. Her throat tightened. I'm sorry, Anna, she said, almost in a whisper. She embraced her friend again. I wish I could love you that way. Anna stayed in her embrace a moment, then stepped back. Her face was wet. Tears left streaks in her makeup. Don't you think you could try? Alexandra's mouth opened. I don't know. She thought about Torvald and Peyton and Bride and Burton. She liked all of them, but she had never felt about any of them the way she felt about Anna. But it wasn't the same. Anna's kiss was nice, but it wasn't like Burton's kiss that night in the swimming hall. Anna sniffled. I've tried with boys, but it's you I want. The first statement surprised Alexandra. She almost said, who? She thought Anna shared everything with her. Like you share everything with her, right? Her internal monologue was becoming nastier. She was feeling a growing sense of irritation. Instead, she said, I just don't have the same feelings, not the right ones. Anna leaned forward. Maybe you could, she said, very softly. I don't think it works like that. How do you know if you haven't tried? Really, Alexandra said. Why don't you try harder with boys, then? Anna's eyes widened. She turned around and pushed her way through the crowd, away from the dance floor. "'Anna, wait!' Alexandra said, wishing in that moment that someone would just put a curse on her to seal her mouth shut forever. But she didn't follow. She just watched miserably as Anna left the ballroom. "'Hey!' a young voice piped up behind her. Alexandra turns to find Awesome Blaze standing there, practically glowing. Awesome's hair had become longer and was now magenta. The radicalist wore earrings that looked like spinning planets complete with gas rings, matching the constellations and shooting stars on his or her robes. "'Was that your girlfriend?' No, I mean, sort of, but not really,' Alexandra stammered. "'You sound confused,' Awesome said. "'Are you a boy or a girl tonight?' Alexandra asked with an edge in her voice. Awesome scowled at her. "'You are a jerk. I was going to ask you to dance. "'You're too young.' Huh! Awesome looked disappointed, then shrugged and pranced off into the crowd. In fairness, it appeared lots of New Amsterdam's younger students were also here, though most were lined up along the walls, chatting amongst themselves. Few had Awesome's bravery to plunge out onto the dance floor. Feeling a boiling stew of emotions, Alexandra walked back to the table where she'd left her drink and gulped half of it down. She wiped her mouth, scanned the crowd, and her eyes settled on Larry Albo. All her emotions were drowned in a powerful surge of lust. She had never felt so lightheaded and giddy as she did now. Larry was a tall, dark, handsome asshole. The same asshole she'd loathed for years and who loathed her, she still loathed him. He was an arrogant, smug, bigoted, patronizing bully, and right now she wanted to kiss him hard. She didn't question the feeling, but stalked across the room, pushing aside everyone in her path— She left curses and aghast stares in her wake from students, champions, and the diminutive elderly professor dancing with his wife. Larry had just finished dancing with one of the witches who'd helped Harriet ambush Alexandra in the bathroom, the dark, pretty one. She turned and her smile froze as she saw Alexandra bearing down on her. Alexandra ignored her and advanced on Larry. Larry stared at her nonplussed. Alexandra held out her hand. Dance with me. Larry's brow wrinkled. He looked at his erstwhile dance partner, who faded into the crowd. Larry's friends Ethan and Wade were nowhere to be seen, for which Alexandra was glad. What, did Adela dump you again? Alexandra demanded. Larry rolled his eyes. Alexandra found this endearing. She became almost breathless when he took her hand. Adela and I haven't been a couple for three years, he said. Alexandra's heart did a little flip, but she suppressed her grin. Oh, then why is she here? They had started spinning about in time to a wizard waltz, but then the lights went down and the music slowed again. And Larry, after a moment's hesitation, sighed and pulled Alexandra closer to him, though not as close as she wanted, certainly not as close as she had held Anna. Bathsheba and Galea wouldn't do it, he said, naming his other ex-girlfriends. I guess they heard about what happened to some of the previous companions of Decathlon champions who participated in a challenge. What? Alexandra was entranced by his eyes but his words distracted her for a moment. What happened to the previous companions? Larry shrunk. She could feel the shrunk, with her hands resting on his shoulders, and wanted to pull him tighter. Apparently, every once in a while they stage something really dangerous and someone dies. I'm not worried. Alexandra was worried about Anna, but that brought back all the flustered feelings she'd had a little while ago, which made her want to focus back on Larry. Why did Della volunteer, then? she asked. Maybe Adela still had feelings for Larry. Alexandra would have to do something about her. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe because she loves attention and this is the only way she could be at the center of it. Plus, I wouldn't be surprised if she wants to see me fail. She's... Alexandra had heard enough about Adela. She stood on her toes, wrapped her arms around Larry's neck, and kissed him. Larry made a low, startled sound. Then his hands, which had been poised gingerly at her shoulders, slid down to her waist and he pulled her into the kiss. She felt his lips pressed against hers, touched her tongue to his. For a moment she could almost feel his body relax. Then he stiffened and pulled away. Alexandra almost growled in frustration. Larry wiped the back of his hand, slowly across his mouth. What? Alexandra demanded. Don't tell me you didn't like it. She leaned forward again, parting her lips. His eyes narrowed. He looked around. Alexandra followed his gaze, but couldn't see what he was looking at. Abruptly he grabbed her hand. Come with me, okay? Alexandra was confused, but she went with him willingly as he pulled her off the dance floor. She caught a quick glimpse of Angelique, who was now dancing with Amber Louis. Angelique smiled and waved at Alexandra, though her eyes widened slightly when she saw who she was with. Then Larry was leading Alexandra out of the ballroom. In the narrow, low-lit carpeted hallway outside, there were a number of doorways and alcoves, as well as several display cases to hide behind. In more than one of these nooks, couples had found a barely concealed place to snuggle up and engage in more kissing and making out than they could get away with on the dance floor. Alexandra thought this was what Larry had in mind, and was eagerly looking for an empty spot in the shadows where they could do likewise, but Larry kept tugging her along, until they reached a balcony open to the outside. "'Where's your room?' Larry asked. Alexandra was almost shocked by his directness, but she didn't care. That lightheaded feeling was still making her giddy and hot." Balloon Tower. Balloon Tower? Where the hell is that? On the river. Which river? Larry grimaced. Merlin, can you operate there? Alexandra blinked slowly. The air out here was cool, which cleared her head a little bit. I don't have an apparition license. She looked around. I mean, she turned back to him. Okay, sure. Hold on. She wrapped her arms around him. Seven hells, I meant, can you? They arrived in her room. Apparate yourself! Charlie cawed loudly. Alexandra staggered, turned on a lamp, and put a finger to her lips. "'Shush!' she told Charlie. Larry held up his hands and examined his fingers, both silver and flesh and blood. Then he slowly twisted his hips and rotated his shoulders. "'Amazing you managed not to splinch us.' "'Yeah, I did okay in the apparition challenge for someone who just learned to apparate a few months ago, right?' She grinned foolishly at him. He was standing right here in her room. She looked around and saw that the clockwork had already made her bed. She threw her arms around his neck again and pressed her body to his. "'You're such an asshole!' she kissed him. Larry made a muffled sound, resisted for a moment, seemed to think better of it, and seized her wrist in his silver-fingered hand, hard enough to hurt. That didn't bother her, but then he pushed her roughly away, and she stumbled back and fell onto her bed. Alexandra wiped her mouth, still tasting his kiss. With the faint aftertaste of those cigarettes he smoked— Her heart hammered in her chest. She looked up at him. I don't care if you hate me, she said. We can do this anyway. I'm pretty sure I hate you too. Big fat jerk, Charlie said. Merlin, you're a mess. Troublesome, Larry said. Go to bed. Sleep it off. He disapparated with a pop. Alexandra stayed there, confused, enraged, and burning with humiliation. The lightheaded feeling hadn't gone away. Her heart still raced in her chest. She wanted to go after Larry, except she didn't know where he'd apparated to. Had he returned to the Governor General's mansion or gone back to his own room? She stood up, then caught hold of herself, clamping her hands to her mouth in horror. Oh, my God. Charlie, what's wrong with me? Charlie for once didn't answer. She fell back in bed, curled up, and stared at the wall. She kept thinking of Larry and his dark eyes and black curls and how much she hated him. The taste of wizard tobacco on her lips, the feel of his silver fingers grabbing her wrist. Shivering, her heart racing while her stomach churned. She didn't understand what was happening to her or why she was having these thoughts. Only that she desperately wanted Larry to come back, and was disgusted with herself for thinking that, eventually, she fell asleep. Alexandra woke up the next morning, still wearing her dress from the night before. She remembered the events of the previous night first with confusion, then shock, then horror, followed by realization, quickly followed by searing rage. She rose to her feet and snarled curses that literally blistered the walls. Only Charlie's panicked cries forced her to clench her fists and rapidly breathe in and out until she was somewhat calmer. She looked around at the scorch marks, knowing she'd probably have to pay for the damage. She stared at Charlie, eyes blazing. The raven shrank away from her. Amortentia," she exclaimed. Pretty bird, Charlie said. Before leaving, she retrieved her raven charm bracelet from her backpack. She hoped it still maintained its bonds to the snake-turned-owl bracelet she had given back to Anna, and that Anna still had it. Then she apparated to Crown Hall. She was ready to hex anyone who gave her grief about it, even an auror. Angelique was in the bathroom, making herself up before a sink. Alexandra scanned the room, and Angelique, watching her in the mirror, said, "'Harry had already left. "'You need to hurry, don't you, if you don't want to miss the next event?' "'She yawned. "'The ball was so much fun, wasn't it? Did you have a nice night?' "'No,' Alexandra snarled. "'Angelique blinked and turned around. "'Oh,' she said. "'I'm sorry.' "'A look of concern crossed her face. "'Did something happen? "'I saw you leave with... Larry?' "'Nothing happened.' "'Alexandra went into the showers, and when she emerged, Angelique was gone.' In the dining room entrance she stopped short when she saw Larry sitting at the head table with the other seniors and fellow champions you she thought and a murderous rage seized her again of all the things Larry Aldo had done over the past 5 years this was the worst she reached into her pocket seized her wand and stepped into the room a hush spread around her there were titters and whispers then conversation resumed larry glanced in her direction there was no triumph or mockery in his eyes Rather than smirking, his expression was surprisingly blank. He shook his head, as if in vague disapproval, then sighed and turned his attention back to Magnificent, who was talking to him in animated fashion, probably trying to explain Atlanteans and Hyperborean wizard kings. Alexandra looked around, saw glances and smirks directed at her, but no one else would meet her eyes, including Anna, who was sitting all by herself, apart even from Angelique. Alexandra's rage waned, and she went over last night's sequence of events— And made you fall in love with whoever administered the potion. But if it was Larry, why had he acted surprised? And then left her in her room, and why wasn't he gloating now? He wasn't acting like someone who thought it would be funny to give her a love potion. She closed her eyes, took a deep breath, and walked over to Anna. Can I sit here? she asked quietly, trying to keep anger out of her voice. Anna nodded, not quite meeting her eyes. Alexandra sat down across the table from her. I met what I said last night, Alexandra whispered. I do love you, Anna, and I'm so sorry. Anna pushed a piece of toast around on her plate. I just... I don't... Stop it, Alex. Anna finally looked up. I understand. It's not your fault. You don't... You don't feel the same way I do. Alexandra was still for a moment. Then slowly she reached for Anna's hand across the table and pressed something into it. Anna withdrew her hand. She smiled at the raven charm and held out her other wrist, revealing the owl charm looped around it. Closer than sisters, Alexandra said. Anna's expression became sad. A raven and an owl? I don't know any proverbs about the two of them together. Alexandra wasn't sure what to say to that. It's just hard to believe you prefer Larry Albo to me, Anna said. Alexandra sputtered Is that what everyone is talking about? Wordlessly, Anna unrolled a newspaper page from her sleeve and handed it to Alexandra. Dark wizard's daughter dares anything at dance, was the headline. There was a picture of Alexandra and Anna kissing. Alexandra gulped. Then there was Alexandra facing Awesome, looking as if the two of them were dancing, though they had only spoken for a few seconds. Finally, Alexandra throwing herself at Larry. Alexandra clenched the newspaper— and felt her rage rise again. The Ozarker champion was seen toying with witches and wizards alike all night, with age being no consideration. Alexandra ran. She gasped. This is totally fake news, she said loudly. Several other students looked up from their tables at her. Seriously, this is what he writes about? Who I danced with? Alexandra shook the paper. It's not all about you. There are other stories about the decathlon and the ball— Anna said, but yeah, my father's going to see that. You kissed me? Whose fault is that? Alexandra thought. I hope Granny Pritchard is happy that I was wearing my bonnet in all those pictures. She put down the paper. Anna, I have to ask you something. Anna just looked at her so miserably that Alexandra almost couldn't ask the question. But she did. Did you put amortensia in my drink? Anna sat there for a moment, not understanding the question. Then her eyes widened. After I drank it, Alexandra said. You and Larry, Anna said. No, Alexandra said too quickly. I mean, yes, it made me... Her cheeks burned. Turns out Larry's an asshole, but he's not that much of an asshole, so nothing happened. Anna began shaking. But you think I am? I don't know what to think, but someone put Amortensha in my drink and... Alex, how could you? Anna cried out. Everyone looked at them now, with tears running down her face. Anna stood and hurried out of the room. Alexandra heard booze. She sat there, brooding, until Magnificent walked over, wearing an uncharacteristically fierce expression and dragging his younger sibling with them. Awesome winced at Magnificent's iron grip on one arm. Awesome has something to tell you, Magnificent said. Mag Awesome whined. Magnificent squeezed. Awesome grimaced, eyes tearing up. Tell her, Magnificent said. Or you can decide whether to be a boy frog or a girl frog, right? In a very small voice, Awesome said, I stole Magnificent's out more attention. Put some in your drink last night. She studied the floor. Alexandra stared at the girl. At least she seems to be a girl today, whatever. Alexandra didn't care. All the rage she'd been feeling earlier boiled up again. Why would you do that? She asked, voice low. I think she has a crush on you, right? Magnificent said. But you didn't really understand what amortentia does, did you, you little weed? He shook Awesome. I added a couple of my eyelashes to Mag's potion. I thought it would, you know, make you like me, Awesome mumbled. It doesn't work like that, right? Magnificent said, sounding more annoyed than angry. Who knows what altering amortentia like that will do? I know, Alexandra said. Her face must have been frightening. Awesome shrank back against her brother. You wanted me to fall in love with you. Alexandra said. You stupid little, I know it was hexed, Magnificent said. She didn't know, right? Don't worry, chicky, she's going to get such a howler. He shook Awesome again. I've already told the rents. Mag, Awesome protested. A howler, Alexandra said. You think a howler will make this right? Oh, she looks like she wants to turn you inside out, Magnificent whispered to Awesome. Awesome gulped and turned pale as Alexandra stood up. Um, you're not actually going to do that, right? Magnificent said. I have to go. Alexandra felt like flames were about to rise on the sides of her face. She walked away, trembling with fury. End of chapter 50 For the full text of this and other stories, as well as news and updates about Alexandra Quick, visit Inverarity.LiveJournal.com. For more information about this podcast, visit samgabrielvo.com slash alexandraquick. I am also easy to find on the Alexandra Quick subreddit and Discord server, where you can hear me record episodes live. Troublesome, composed by Dr. James Benigoff. Charmbridge, composed and performed by Tyler Parsons. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or whichever podcast service you prefer. And finally, as always...